Hi, this is Jeff Cobra, and we welcome you to this Disney Insight Podcast. There are many things happening across Disney these last few days, and possibly bigger events in the days to come with the annual shareholders meeting. So be, before things move on, it's time to acknowledge the news about what is happening in this year's International Flower and Garden Festival at Epcot in Walt Disney World. It's been happening for a couple of weeks now, but we wanted to do a more thorough review and offer insights for visiting, especially since it's happening through the end of June. Meanwhile, visuals were shared on the web of just what the new Mary Poppins attraction was supposed to be when it was announced back in 2019. It still isn't officially canceled, but it certainly isn't under construction either. We look at the realities of that. Also, as the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World ends, we bid goodbye to Harmonious, perhaps one of the best parts of that anniversary celebration. There's lots to cover in this week's update, so please join us. This podcast, as well as others, is brought to you by Performance Journeys, celebrating its 20th year as a training and development group, bringing best in business ideas through keynotes, workshops, seminars, and amazing benchmarking programs to organizations in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. If you're seeking to improve your customer delivery, to re-engage the morale of your workforce, or improve leadership, we offer not only great solutions, but solutions that have been tried and tested in organizations big and small. At Performance Journeys, it's as much about the journey as is about the performance. By the way, remember that we have a new name, Disney Insights, so make sure that you not only subscribe to this podcast, but subscribe to our website, DisneyInsights.com, also to our YouTube page, Disney Insights. Um, there has been um, a lot of response to the um, uh, Andy's Coming video that I posted on YouTube. You may want to go check that out over um, over there. It's part of our review of uh, the Backyard Barbecue over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. There's also other podcasts that we have covered in recent days. You're going to want to check it out. And, uh, and stay with us because next uh, week we have the annual shareholders meeting and with everything going on with Reedy Creek uh, Improvement District, with layoffs and so forth, we got a lot more to cover. So make sure you are subscribed. All right, without further ado, we're going to bring this podcast from Epcot. So uh, please join us as we head over to that park. So when I come to another Epcot festival, I come with some trepidation because many of these I have visited for over 20 years. And so in reporting them and talking about them and showcasing them, I really feel stuck trying to say something different, something new, something more than just what seems to play out every single year. And so when I went about this experience, I thought I'm not going to be the first one out with a podcast on the Flower and Garden Festival at Epcot. Rather, I'm going to take my time to really study it and to look at it 
uh, a little deeper than I normally do. It's easy to just kind of walk through future world, what was future world, and kind of go around the promenade at World Showcase and kind of say, okay, been there, done that, and seen it, and tried the butterfly garden, and we're good. This time I tried to look for things that are new, things that are improved, and things that are tasty that I haven't tried before. And so that's my journey and, and what I want to share with you. And it, and it doesn't take long to see all of that play out because the minute you step to the entrance of Epcot, you encounter the family Madrigal from Encanto. And let me tell you the workmanship that has been done. And of course, DisneyInsights.com is going to showcase a lot of uh, pictures and some video of this flower and garden festival. But as you uh, experience this, um, you'll see, just take the time. Take the time. Force yourself to take three or four or five minutes, not just a photo and move on real quick from your mobile phone device, but take it. Take the time to look at the details of how this um, set of characters, this family is played out in topiary form. It really is just striking and, and really a great way to start off the experience as you go through. Now, of course, we're not going to benefit from what should be um, world celebration because it hasn't, uh, it hasn't opened yet and it'll be interesting next year to see how they utilize that space to creating the kind of experience possible. But still, when you are in uh, both, well, in, the, in world discovery and also world nature, there are some really nice uh, places where this plays out. Of course, a big blanket of flowers between um, this portion, the front portion of the park and World Showcase always is striking. But, um, and of course, you also have the butterfly landing, which um, is always just fun to, let me just give you a hint how to make that one work. Enjoy it for a few minutes. Don't take any photos. Don't, don't do anything until you get to the end. For some reason, there is a larger number of butterflies that are seeking maybe to make an exit out of that, that little pavilion. And so you actually end up seeing a lot more at that portion of the experience. Then what you need to do is take your mobile phone device and put it to portrait mode. And if you can get them close to a butterfly, take a picture with that and it really makes the butterfly pop out from the greenery in the background. That's just a, a great way to really uh, enjoy that experience in the butterfly garden is just really taking some great photos that uh, become terrific memories of your experience. I should also mention that Odyssey has been changed out this year to a whole, um, well, just as it was themed out to Figment during um, Festival of the Arts, this year the whole thing has been themed out to Orange Bird. And 
you know, it's interesting. They really use a whole lot of um, um, overlays and banners and and projections to create a very different little festival center out of this. Um, and you're going to want to check that out when you when you get there. The um, one of the best things, and I don't want to I don't want to leave the front part of the park quite yet, but one of the best parts of that experience was that they had uh, tempura uh, shrimp on skewers and this was by the way called the citrus blossom orange sesame tempura shrimp now my friends the entries who I'd hoped to bring in on this podcast but uh, they have headed toward Europe but um, what they do is they order the orange chili sauce off to the side and that way, the tempura is much crunchier and much more fresh to enjoy. That really does make a difference. I also tried the citrus baked brie with preserved lemon marmalade. And I got to tell you, you can't go wrong with this. This is really one of the most delicious things I enjoyed during the Flower and Garden Festival. And I highly recommend that if you have a chance between now and the end of June to uh, check this out, do so. Because it, um, it is absolutely, it is rich. It is rich beyond belief. Um, I usually do a one, two, or three stars in my reviews. And I would say both the tempura shrimp and the citrus baked brie with preserved lemon marmalade and spiced marcona almonds, I would give that a three. Both of those uh, are definitely deserving of that. I, I should back up to Brunch Cot because a lot of theirs were played out uh, again this year. They've been there in years past, but theirs is one of the one of the funnest places to grab something to eat. They have an avocado toast with marinated toy box tomatoes, uh, shrimp and grits uh, with blackened shrimp and sh- uh, cheddar cheese grits. They have a lox benedict on everything focaccia uh, with an everything uh, spice cream cheese, shallots, capers, hollandaise, and then fried cinnamon roll bites with not only cream cheese frosting, but some candied bacon on the top. It doesn't matter what you choose here. I would give and I would give the shrimp and grits, the avocado toast, and the fried cinnamon roll bites, all three of them threes. They are just that good. Um, well, I should say the, the Benedict too is a three also. So um, be, don't, don't wait to get to World Showcase to try out some of the food because some of the best stuff really does come from the front of the park. Um, And I should also, by the way, take the time to talk about... I did try Florida Fresh, which um, I tried a uh, Florida Strawberry Shortcake. I tell you that is something to be shared because it is very filling. Very filling, but and it's a two, but it's not a three. It's not something you're saying, I have got to come back to on this. However, I will say, I will say that um, one of the very cool ones is on the opposite side near Journey to Imagination, which is the Honey um, Bee Stro uh, with Spike. And 
they have a um, chicken and waffles, which I thought I had tried before, but this one, uh, it's the, the chicken is crispy and it's honey brined. It is a piece of dark chicken, um, but it has a honey sweet corn bread waffle, whipped honey butter and spicy honey. I gotta tell you, this was the first thing I tried in this festival. Did it a couple of weeks ago, and it is a definite three. So filling. It looks like a small portion. It is a huge, uh, very filling um, dish, and definitely, definitely worth seeking out. Um, I should also say that there are some some gardens, garden destinations. Um, I love the floating gardens that are um, in that area. There was a thing called um, Blossoms of Fragrance. I didn't, um, with different smells, um, such as roses and so forth. I thought that was an interesting thing. Didn't, maybe because it was a little breezy, it didn't, it didn't quite um, hit. Um, there's uh, the prehistoric plants. They finally replaced the stupid little dinosaur toys in it with a more meaningful, I thought it was a better played out, but the problem with the dinosaur plants is they put a lot of it into pots and, and it loses the, the natural aspect of what would be a prehistoric setting. I think that would be a cool walkthrough to do a whole prehistoric garden that you felt a little bit lost in when you went through that. Um, I should also mention lots of merchandise, particularly themed to Orange Bird. And I have to tell you that this year, and I've always been the biggest critic of this, there's this uh, scavenger hunt to look for Easter eggs. And I always thought, it usually was, you know, certain characters like Mickey and Minnie and Chip and Dale and Donald. And I always thought it was lame. I thought it was lame because I've been to Tokyo's uh, experience at Easter time and they are so over the top in what they do. If you want to celebrate Easter with, with the Easter rabbit, you have got to go to Tokyo Disneyland. No one does Easter like Tokyo Disney. I'm telling you, it's above and beyond. But this year, they finally decided to do something kind of different. And it is the extravaganza scavenger hunt. And this time, all of the eggs are actually Disney rabbits that are played out. And I'll show you a picture of the white rabbit um, rabbit from Winnie the Pooh. Um, all, all these different rabbits are played out throughout the park and you go search for them and then you get a little egg at the end of your experience as a souvenir keepsake. Uh, if, if, you, if you enjoy that kind of thing, it just lets you know it's different this year. And I appreciate any effort to do something different. By the way, I should also mention, I didn't get a chance to see this, but I thought it was so different. If you're here on Wednesdays, they have members, and it's 1 p.m., the members of Disney's Animal Science and Environment, Environmental Team, they get up close, well, they give you kind of a close-up look at um, Purple uh, Martins. If you ever notice, outside of Connections on your way to World Showcase, there are a bunch of white, uh, rounded nests. And they are for the Martins as they come through um during the year and there's a whole there's a whole story there and a whole lot of things to be uh, t uh to be learned there so 
really, um, I'm, again, just noticing there's also a family-friendly play garden. I thought that was cute. All these things, most of these things we've talked about up to this point are in the front of the park, largely between World Discovery and World Nature. There's also some great topiaries, Woody and uh, Bo Peep, uh, Simba, um, and uh, a figment that is a very different figment, much larger. Um, kind of, yeah, it's kind of different. So check that out. Different, different materials make up that topiary. Then we get into, and, and of course, when you go into World Showcase, you're getting not only the gardens, but you're getting a lot of different topiaries um, as you go through that. Things that are familiar to you, like the Three Caballeros, or Bambi and Friends, or Ca Peter Pan, Captain Hook, Tinkerbell. Um, but there are also a lot of garden destinations that as you go through this, um, you see different, different things play out. I uh, really took the time in China. You know, there are three places that are gardens year-round. China is one of them. Japan is one of them and Canada is one of them and okay so that was uh, backstage the trash being dumped by the dumpster I'm actually by the way I'm actually in the back of the UK I am sitting on a bench and I am looking at what would would have been could have been should have been I don't know have been uh, the Mary Poppins uh, location we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, and uh, and I'll end there. But um, any time of year, even if you miss uh, Flower and Garden Festival, you should always check out the gardens in China, and Japan, and Canada. There's, it's always beautiful year round. It's China's is very natural to its environment and plays out. And there's there's also there's some sculptures that are tied to. The zodiac. Um, I grabbed uh, um, some wontons, which were okay. Um, they're at kind of a two, and I grabbed those wontons and um, checked out the Shanghai Disney exhibit, which kind of looks a little old considering Shanghai Disney's now over five years old. What really caught my eye is that there was there was a video playing of. Um, Duffy the Bear and a TV series that's there. That's, I mean, Shanghai, all of the Asia parks celebrate Duffy in some form. In fact, I think this month, Duffy is actually the featured character head in place of Mickey at the entrance to Hong Kong Disneyland. So I'm not surprised to see Duffy's present. But they allude to um, its um, primary location at Tokyo Disneyland in the or Tokyo Disney Sea in the Cape Cod section, and I'm sitting here looking at this and this TV show and thinking this has nothing to do with Shanghai Disney. I thought it was very, very again. Every once in a while, you see Imagineering. You wonder if these people have been to where you're going. You see this on Instagram and on Twitter play out, where you wonder if they really know their business. And that's perhaps one of those places. But do check out the gardens in uh, China. We round, uh, we go around the corner to Germany 
And Germany has beautiful topiaries of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. You definitely want to grab a picture of that. What um, I didn't do anything food-wise in Germany because I just feel like it's the same thing played out. Potato pancakes, potato pancakes with caramelized ham, onion, and herbed sour cream, toasted pretzel bread, warm cheese strudel. There's always a strudel. Sometimes it's apple, sometimes it's berry. There's always a strudel. It doesn't seem like it varies enough. I, I get it. It's, but you think somebody could get really creative with German food. That, that's an alternative to what you find when you get next door to Italy, the Primavera Kitchen, which had tortelloni uh, primavera and um, a cesar con gambert. Uh, I don't even know what those are, but they're so pricey. Italy's food is always so pricey. I don't even, I don't even bother to really study the menu anymore. I don't want to spend all my money at one pavilion. So I really just have learned not to pay attention. I need to go back to Germany and tell you that... Um, the shops on the right side have finally opened in Germany after being closed for so long. But it was really a poor array of merchandise. And half of it was tied to Christmas, which was like the Christmas shop on the other side. And what made it worse is that there was a, a seemingly permanent wall that kind of um, cut off the front shop from the teddy bear shop, even though teddy bear stuff was being sold elsewhere in the pavilion. I, they really have a retail challenge there in Germany that needs to play out. Let's go to Magnolia Terrace. The highlight of this is one amazingly beautiful Tiana, um, who from The Princess and the Frog just is just really well um, presented uh, with hanging moss and kind of an arc behind her. By the way, many of these topiaries and gardens are lit at night. That was something they started before COVID, but they really didn't stay very consistent at it and it kind of drifted away. And this year they've said, you know, we got to make a bigger, bigger effort toward this and, and it's appreciated. At that location, I decided to try two things. People had talked about the muffaletta panini with ham, salami, mortadella, provolone, and Swiss with olive salad. Okay, I guess the olive salad was on the sandwich. All I can say is this felt like the most leftover thing from Panera bread that I've ever eaten. I felt like this, these little chunks a sandwich were just left to the side and somebody was saying, hey, this is left over. Anybody want it? It was disappointing, very disappointing. And I would say it's the, I would put it at a definite one. I got, I'm not the most um, amb ambitious guy, but I had to try the crawfish pie. Now I say that because there's been crawfish broils before with potatoes and corn and so forth, but I don't like I don't like taking a crawfish and looking at it in the eyes and trying to shell it and all that. Here it was shelled. It wasn't a pie per se. It was a biscuit on top of a crawfish style stew. Um, maybe kind of almost a, not a gumbo, but a stew. And it was 
pretty delicious. It had a more of a brown, spicy, not really spicy, but kind of a brown gravy um, sauce to it. If it had been a white sauce, this probably would have gotten a th- three. Um, this probably would have, like, like you would have with a clam chowder. If it had been more of a chowder type thing, this would have definitely gotten three stars. Because it was just, the crawfish was very tasty, plentiful, um, fun to chew, and the biscuit was perfectly executed. Uh, people have said the bananas foster bread pudding is great. I haven't had a chance to try that out. So I'm guilty on that, but... Um, I, anyway, that was my experience at Magnolia Terrace. Of course, there are shows playing every night, bands that are performing, and that's a big part of the Flower and Garden Festival that you may want to check out. Then um, moving toward Japan. Now, I can never go wrong with Japan, and Hanami is the title of this, year, um, this season's exhibit. They had um, a creamy shrimp udon. I didn't have a chance to try that. I wish I had. Hanami sushi. I also didn't have a chance to try that out. But I did try the frushi, which is strawberry, pineapple, and lychee wrapped in sweet rice and pink soy wrapped, served with whipped cream, drizzled raspberry sauce, and toasted coconut. I missed the coconut, I think. But he'd write. I had had some frushi at Disney California Adventure during one of their uh, festivals, and it was so delicious. And I usually give threes to everything in Japan. This was disappointing. The fruit did not taste fresh. It didn't have. It didn't taste sweet. It it came apart from the rice and didn't seem. It just really was one of the sadder um, uh, play. Uh, Saturday presentations. I wish I'd tried the orange blossom saffron cake over in Morocco, but I have tried the hummus trio. It was actually presented back in uh, during the Festival of the Arts and uh, definitely would give that a three and would recommend trying that again. Um, I should also say that some really, again, beautiful flowers played out. Oh, you've got to check out the uh, kind of, there are these, going back to Japan, how do I describe this garden? It's, it's these fountains that play out um, in bamboo. And I'll look for the title of this thing, if I can, because uh, I definitely think it's worth checking out. Of course, they have incredible... Um, um, bonsai collections okay shishio doshi is what the title of this thing is um but basically to ward off um little animals and that type of things these these bamboos fill up with water and then they tap on either um some chimes or maybe a pan that's sitting there in the garden or something any rate, it was very clever how it was designed. I liked it a lot. You, again, uh, you can't go wrong looking at the gardens in Japan any time of year, but you would be really amiss to not check it out, especially with the bonsai collection. Hey, that's another great place to take that camera and put it in portrait mode 
and take that picture of that bonsai with Japan in the background. That's really great. Um, I should have mentioned back in Italy too, you know, they, what they've done, they always had the best um, potted flowers and it was no less here. They had decided to take the lady and tramp topiary and put it in the middle of all that. And it was um, very, I mean, it was just beautiful. There's just something about how those um, potted gardens uh, stand out in Italy during the festival. Definitely worth it. All right. France also had some great topiary with Beauty and the Beast. Don't want to miss that. But let's let's come to um, the UK Pavilion. And I'm actually, of course, in the front, you're going to see Peter Pan and Captain Hook. You're going to see um, uh, the crocodile. And you're going to see Tinkerbell. She's got this little set of miniature homes that the fairies live in. Um, that's been around for a number of years, but it's really cute and beautifully played out. There's also a great presentation up front on on um, British teas, and there are different tours, uh, self-tours and walking um, guided tours on it that are available if you want to check that out. Again, I'm in the back of the UK Pavilion, and two things I want to talk about. The first is... There are a couple of topiaries back here, but they are the traditional topiaries that people associate with topiaries. Disney has refined topiaries to creating facial sculptures and intricate details. And it's really beautiful, but they're done not immediate. They're not done overnight, but they're done in a matter of weeks as opposed to a matter of years traditional topiaries and you see a couple of exhibits there's a mickey one back here and an elephant that's done in fact the mickey is not done so you could see the sculpture of mickey behind it and the idea of these topiaries is it takes by the way there's a topiary maze in the uk pavilion that's why you've heard so many children they are so many children are playing um uh, uh, tag in the maze and it's it's all very sweet back here um and so um when i first saw topiaries it was at it's a small world back in 1966 when it opened at disneyland they were in the shape of different animals and they uh, were part of the front entrance to that attraction when walt disney world opened they actually put a lot of topiaries out at uh, the TTC, um, the Ticket and Transportation Center, um, they were a distance from the guests, so, and uh, timing was everything. And so what, they, what a lot of those topiaries did, they were actually filled with plastic greenery because from a distance, from the monorail, they all looked legitimate. But there was a lot of topiary in the early days of the TTC, and then, of course, with the Flower and Garden Festival, it was just completely reinvented over time. You've probably seen some of the older topiaries like the large Mickey and Minnie or Goofy. Those are more traditionally done. But again, with Tiana or with uh, the family Madrigal from Encanto, you see a, a different breed, for lack of 
uh, better terms, of topiary. So th- there's an exhibit kind of highlighting that heritage, and you can find that back here in the UK garden, which is appropriate because topiaries have, have their roots in Europe. But the second reason why I am back here in this garden is because I am looking at what was originally announced as a Mary Poppins attraction. Now, just a week or so ago, and you may have seen it already, there was artwork that was found on the internet. It was part of uh, an artist's portfolio that he had put online to showcase his work, to try to get work. And whether or not he had the right to do it remains to be seen, but it really took the internet very quickly. Back in 2019, Bob Chapek announced a Mary Poppins attraction coming to the UK Pavilion, and people were thrilled. And with that announcement, he brought out Dick Van Dyke and a whole musical number around Step in Time. And it was a big moment during that D23 Parks presentation. And then COVID came and nothing much came afterwards. The artwork shows, well, Cherry Tree Lane, which we kind of knew was going to be the case. The Cherry Tree Lane would be kind of, and that's a very appropriate for the back part of this pavilion. You would see um, Admiral Boom's home with his little ship up at the top our little uh, rowboat at the top, you would see um, Cherry Tree Lane, you would see the bank's home, and you would enter into the bank's home. And there you would have what seems to be an experience with the fireplace, in the same way that Enchanted Tales with Belle takes a, um, creates a doorway magically into uh, the library, into Belle, into the Beast's castle. And, and the library takes a portrait and makes it into a doorway. I sense that that same kind of approach was going to be taken toward entering um, into this magical world, which would ultimately lead you outside. We're not sure to the degree there would have been a, a meet and greet. There's already a meet and greet location on the kind of behind me in the stores, and it's been used for Winnie the Pooh. Uh, and Mary Poppins over the years, um, but hasn't in recent years. But um, they could have used that for the meet and greet portion and then use this to just simply step through the bank's home into a magical world which looked very much like Mary Poppins Returns. Um, There is um, uh, a bowl, a a, um, a Royal Dalton bowl that gets cracked in the movie and it Mary uses it as a stepping stone, so to speak, to take them to a sort of fair where a number of scenes play out. In this, um, in this scenario, you would have been led to a series of what I think were 18 such bowls and you would have gotten inside each of them and it would have looked a little bit like a mad tea party kind of thing. Um, only there, with the use of projections and everything, the world would come, the, the, the countryside would come alive as you um, 
went spinning through this. Now, this is um, in the in the world of A through E tickets. This would have been a C ticket at best in the old days, going on the on the Mad Tea Party. Um, sometimes a B ticket. In this case, it would have been a little bit more magical. I knew that the attraction was not going to be a full blown out experience, not a long. Um, involved dark ride or something similar to what Tony Baxter had done. He had created something with the carousel with the horses coming off the carousel and going into the world, the original world of Mary Poppins seen in the 1960s film. Um, that was okay. Never realized either. There's not enough space back here in this portion of uh, world showcase to really create that kind of larger attraction though. By all means, Mary Poppins deserves a major attraction more than any other film property Disney has. And it is really disappointing that over the years they have failed to produce that. I think it's a timeless classic. I think it can continue to be a timeless classic and a great part of their brand. But you got to put it into the parks more than just an occasional meet and greet. When have you ever not been in the parks and seen Mary, Alina for Mary Poppins or see people come alive when they see her in a parade? So this is a missed opportunity. Now, so people saw this um, illustration and thought this was what the attraction was going to be. And it may have been what they decided the attraction was going to be. I will tell you that my inside scoop told me that it was going to be an inside, a small attraction like this. It was going to begin and, and, you know, begin with the, the Banks home. But actually what I remember being told, and this was about four but, well, not long after it was announced at, um, at D23 that it was going to take place on a carousel and that the carousel horses would rise up and kind of elevate. If you kind of think of them more as, Dumbo, as a Dumbo spinner, then you think of them as, as horses on a carousel. That's what I was told might, might occur. I just know that projection was always a part of it and that I thought that um, the projection would continue as you kind of went up into the sky with kites and, and Mary Poppins flying, that type of thing. That's, those are the impressions I got. In truth, there are many iterations of a park, uh, of what a ride attraction might be. This may have been the one they landed on, but this may have only been one of many that they went through. I've always felt like, again, Mary Poppins needs a much bigger venue. I wouldn't mind taking off some portion of Disney's Hollywood Studios and, and doing something there that would allow you a lot more space to play with. Mind you, it seems kind of weird to recreate Cherry Tree Lane when you already have a Cherry Tree Lane-like venue here in the United Kingdom and there is a real need for something. What I do think is I, I don't think it would be bad if they put that in. And by the way, they have not said that that ride is canceled. 
I think it's to Disney's best interest to see, to put that out there and see the response to it. And to see if people say, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Why can't we have this? Or to see whether they say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we didn't add that in. That's, that's such a you know disappointment. I thought they were going to do something better. I think sometimes these things come out in different ways or if, when they do come out, it provides Disney a window to see guest response to something. Uh, I think it's Jim Schul said he thought it'd be about 80,000 to put together that attraction. Uh, 80 million, I'm sorry, 80 million, which is a small price tag when you think about Guardians uh, possibly being around the half billion dollar price. Um, I think there would be a lineup day and night to go on that attraction and that it would enhance the overall capacity of the park, which was Bob Iger's goal, which is centered on uh, building and focusing on Disney's IP. So I think it's a winner still to do something. I also think, and sorry if I seem out of left field here, if you didn't put it in, I think it would be very cool to resurrect Mr. Toad. And if you can take one of Disney's films like Lion King or The Little Mermaid and put it into a film, why not take the cartoon, the animated featurette of Mr. Toad and put it into a CG form and revisit and make it come alive and put in a dark ride, which is so popular at Disneyland, remains popular after, what, 80 years since... Mr. Toad came out. Well, it's about the. It was the middle of the '40s, so nearly 80 years, and Mr. Toad is still popular. Also, there's a restaurant at Disneyland Paris based on it. You, you really, I think, you have enough space back here to do a dark ride kind of thing like that. Also, others have played with a dark ride kind of experience with Mary Poppins. That was, I think. Um, uh, Rolly Crump had the idea of doing a dark ride concept for Fantasyland in Magic Kingdom with Mary Poppins. There's, there's still a lot of possibility of what could be back here in the UK pavilion. And with so many UK visitors, you, you could not go wrong by having something like that. And so we'll see where it goes. And one of those things that will give us an indication of where we're going will be next week's annual shareholder meeting, where we'll see how tight uh, Bob Iger is to budgets, especially with layoffs. But we'll talk more about layoffs. We'll talk about a new Disney cruise ship uh, sailing out of Singapore. Very exciting. And a whole lot more as we go into that um, and covering that event. And know that the promise of So, I just watched one of the very last shows of Harmonious. And while it's had its controversy, I believe that removing this show will someday be as seen as nearly a 
as big a misstep as removing the original journey to imagination or removing horizons from future world. I really think this is a loss. Um, and it's been really funny because the last couple of months I've been watching this show from a really bad angle. Uh, one in which I am uh, seeing it from the side of the Epcot UK Pavilion because that's where my son, who is autistic, wanted to see it. But he wanted to come every week and see this show. And when we told him that it was being replaced by what we refer to as kite fireworks, he was not happy. That could have been an Instagram for half a million people watching his reaction to losing that, to losing Harmonious. And I think it is, it's a loss. Uh, we'll talk about what's next soon. Obviously, Epcot Forever comes in temporarily. But what comes in after that has been so ambiguously stated. Not that I don't think. I think they know what they want to do, probably. But I think that they don't want to tell people too soon because it'll be ridiculed and criticized and socially uh, mediafied. Uh, before it even gets to an initial showing. So I think that's, that's the challenge Disney faces in the social media world, is some of your best offerings are cut off before you even get to premiere them. Anyway, that's life. But uh, I, I will tell you, I will miss Harmonious, and I think, I think it's a real loss. I'll also say that my son loves to watch the post show uh, which if you hadn't noticed the post show gave you a chance to see what it looked like through the Stargate if you were coming around to the front or to the front of World Showcase where you turn back toward the exit of the park he loves coming to that portion and seeing the fountains and the lights and the projections on the Stargate so I tell you I think uh my son is probably Harmonious's biggest fan. And you? Are you Harmonious's biggest fan? Well, this much I'll tell you that um, we're glad that you could be a part of Disney's Insights and you could join us this evening, no matter where you are. Uh, we hope that you take advantage of these podcasts and, uh, and our YouTube channel, Disney Insights, and our webpage, Disney Insights. Just uh, join us, subscribe, and be a part. And wherever you are, always remember, follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon. Here.